welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger. And I'm Jeff Schutze. And we are happy to be presenting part two of our internship animation roundtable with all of y'all. But first, we have to get into the news. And there's no easy way to start off the news. So we decided we're going to start off with worst to best. Yes. So in the news, all of y'all know this because you all are fans of animation. You work in animation. You want to become animation professionals. This news has been circulating for a while now. So we're just going to get into it. So John Kay, I'm sure all of you know about John Kay, creator of Ren and Stimpy. So BuzzFeed had an excellent article where it turned out that he had been sexually molesting and harassing underage girls, Mm -hmm. which is horrible and disgusting. The age of consent in California is 18. These young women were not 18. They were fans of animation. They wanted to learn more about the industry and he took advantage of them, which is terrible. But we wanted to salute Robin Bird and Katie Rice. These women are incredible. They are incredibly brave, incredibly Mm -hmm. strong women. And I hope that all of you out there are supporting them as well because it is really difficult to bring this kind of thing to the police, to the public, to the news, especially when the person you're accusing is very famous Mm -hmm. and has a lot of fans and has fans that would react negatively to you when you're talking about this kind of thing. So we just wanted to salute them because that is a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we also wanted to say for women out there, we are with you. So if anything is going on in your place of business and work, even if it was in the past, you know, speak out. We hope that you guys have the courage and the support and the resources to speak out because that has been an issue for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And if you are a man, support the women who are speaking out. We were talking about this off air. One of the things that was maddening about this article was that some of the men expressed a lot of regret Mm -hmm. that they had not done anything at the time. And that is a terrible thing. So guys out there, If you see something like this happening, speak up. Don't be complicit Mm -hmm. in this. If your neighbors, your wives, your moms, your daughters, your friends, your coworkers, if somebody is harassing them, speak up. Don't just wait in the shadows. Don't just brush it off or laugh it off. Because this is a very serious issue that's been going on for way too long that has affected way too many people mm-hmm. yeah you can't stand on the sidelines anymore you have to, if you know something say something you can't just turn a blind eye you have to speak up and you have to support so this is inexcusable i used to be a huge ren and stimpy fan and i just find this inexcusable it's grotesque it's horrible this man must be severely punished this is just horrible it absolutely is and You know, we're here to create art. We're here to create beautiful things. We're not here to hurt people. And if you're in a position of power, it is your responsibility to not hurt, to do no harm, even if you have no power. Right. It's your responsibility to do no harm, Mm -hmm. especially to children, especially to teenagers. So 
Yes. So again, all the support for Robin Bird and Katie Rice. And Katie Rice, she's actually still in the industry, still doing great work. Mm -hmm. So check out all of her work because she is amazing. Yeah, she's so talented. Yes, I love her. Absolutely. So that brings us to our next bit of news. Isao Takahata, rest in peace. I have loved Isao for so long. He's a director and producer at Ghibli Animation, who a lot of people love, including myself. Most people know Ghibli from Miyazaki's work, but Isao also did a lot of films that are near and dear to my heart and that I love just as much as My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. He did films like Grave of the Fireflies, Only Yesterday, My Neighbors, The Yamadas, Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is so beautiful. Uh, Just a little personal story. Grave of the Fireflies, I think, might be the first anime I showed my mom. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) And I prepared her, you know, but she, you know, she's Japanese. I thought she'd want to see it. She'd actually heard of it. And I bought a tin of those hard candies and stuff that is a big emotional (laughs) part of the movie. I won't spoil it, but... It's about World War II and these kids living through the bombing of Japan. And it's hard to watch, but it is an amazing film. And I showed it to my mom and she loved it through the tears. And I think we've watched it now twice together. I think I've seen it like four times and we're planning on watching it again soon. So definitely go check out his movies. They are amazing. Absolutely. And I know him from being the producer of Nausicaa. Mm. And that is actually my favorite film created by Studio Ghibli is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And yes, so again, rest in peace. Rest in peace. And then that brings us to someone who is retiring Mm -hmm. from animation. And that is the illustrious John Musker. So he is retiring after many, many decades of amazing films and dedicated service. All of y'all out there, y'all probably best know him as part of the dynamic duo of Ron Clements and Mm. John Musker, Ron and John. Together they directed the Disney movies of your childhood. We're talking The Great Mouse Detective, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, The Princess and the Frog, and most recently Moana. And... He's going off to do bigger and better things. My guess is maybe he's going to do the Glenn Keane route and create his own yeah. personal animation. Maybe he's going to become a professional painter. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. he's just going to enjoy his retirement. <laughs> Out of those movies, what's your favorite? Out of those movies, hands down, is Aladdin. Nice. I think Aladdin might be my favorite Disney film, mm-hmm. but it's a toss-up between Aladdin and Lion King, and The Rescuers Down Under, and Frozen. (laughs) Like, at any given point. And also a Goofy movie, which a lot of people... I feel like a Goofy movie is one of those hidden gems that a lot of people don't always talk about, but that movie is so great. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty much a a five-film rotation. But out of the Ron and John canon, definitely Aladdin. Mm -hmm. I saw that movie three times in the theater. I'd never seen a movie more than three times in the theater until that movie came out. Yes. Well, enjoy your retirement. (laughs) Absolutely. And we look forward to reporting on anything else that you might do. Yeah. If you come out of retirement or end up doing all your own independent work. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in absolutely fantastic news, 
so excited to be able to talk about this. So amazing person, friend of the show, Domi Shi, who y'all might remember from episode three wow. of this podcast. She now has the amazing distinction of being the very first female Pixar shorts director. She has directed a beautiful short called Bao, which is going to be played in front of Incredibles 2 this summer, which is a huge achievement. Domi is super talented. I know that she has really talented people on her team. And to quote the Tribeca Film Festival and Entertainment Weekly, Bao is about an empty nesting Chinese mom who gets another chance at motherhood when one of her dumplings springs to life, but she must come to terms with the bittersweet revelation that nothing stays cute and small forever. And have you seen the concept art? I have. The short? Yeah. It's so adorable. It's really cute. (laughs) It's really cute. And I'm just really excited for Domi because she and her team have been working on this for a very long time. And I'm excited because, you know, all the reasons that it's Domi, that she is a female director, she's a Chinese-Canadian director, that it's about Chinese culture, all the good things. Well, that would be awesome if we could get her back on the show. That is my hope. All right. We'll see. Cool. <laughs> we'll see what we can Stay do. Stay tuned. I, yeah, I know she's very, very busy. But we will <laughs> see how things go with that. And then that brings us up to what is currently going on, Jeff, in the Los Angeles area. In the Los Angeles area, people can check out Loop de Loop. It's April 13th at 8 p.m. at the Downtown Independent. This theme was myth, and the producers of Unikitty, Lin Wang and Ed Scudder, are going to be there judging. So... I actually caught a couple episodes of Unikitty, I think on the Cartoon Network app, and it's really cute, really quirky and fun, so that's cool that they're there. And uh, it's another loop-de-loop that I missed, you know, because I wanted to do the, you know, I wanted to make a loop-de-loop little animation for Myth. I thought that would have been fun, but I just ran out of time. So, yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next time. And I understand, because both... Your schedule and my schedule. Crazy right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Crazy but good. Right. So one day. One day we oh. will do it. We, yes. We're going to have to do it and motivate each other. We're yeah. going to have to go for the same mm-hmm. subject or something. Absolutely. That'll yeah. be really, really cool. Yeah. So if you are in L.A., go and see it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a whole lot of fun. And it's free. All you have to pay for is parking. And there's a parking lot right next door. It's very inexpensive. I paid eight bucks. So yeah. And there's also a nice concession stand on the inside where you can buy like drinks and snacks and people are really fun. And it's a lot of fun just to watch animation on a loop. I'm especially excited for this theme because Mm. I love myths and I'm just curious how many of these myths are going to be Medusa, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, how many are going to be Medusa? How many are going to be Sisyphus? Yeah. How many are going to be things we've never heard of? My hope is that somebody has a Selkie in there somewhere. We'll see. Nice, yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then that following Saturday and Sunday is the CTN Road Trip, which is going to be in downtown Burbank, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days. It's free to walk around. And basically, the CTN Road Trip is like outdoor CTN. So you'll get a chance to meet a lot of different artists and they'll be selling books and prints and keychains and bags and all manner of wonderful things. 
So go out there, support people. It's a lot of fun. And next up is DesignerCon. And that's at the Anaheim Convention Center, November 16th through the 18th. Vendor requests currently are waitlisted. So if you haven't gotten in, I guess that's it. Well, no, I do recommend signing up for this. And the reason why we mention this, even though you guys out there might be going, wait a minute, but it's not till November. So with conventions, for those of you who may not know, you need to sign up really early. For mm. example, you did Comic-Con last year. Yeah. When did you sign up for Comic-Con 2018? The last day of the con, I just put my check right in. Yeah. So a lot of times, if you're a returning vendor, you can sign up the day the con ends. Other times, you sometimes have a little bit of leeway. Designer Con is a really good convention, especially if if your thing is less like prints mm -hmm. and less books and more toys and keychains and mugs and pens and unique types of art. Designer Con is a really good convention for you. It's really inexpensive. It's a lot of fun. There's room to walk around, which I appreciate. So if you're thinking about doing it, go ahead and get on the wait list because you never know. You know, people have to drop out all the time for all sorts of reasons. So this might be your chance. Okay, cool. And then finally, speaking of signing up conventions while you still have time, CTNX is also this year the same weekend. So it's November 16th through 18th. It's at the Burbank Marriott Hotel. So if you want to be an attendee, you can get your tickets now. I highly recommend either doing the exhibit only four pass, which is 20 bucks, or you can sign up for the three day pass. And if you sign up for the three day pass, you can apply to do raise the bar recruiting. I highly recommend raise the bar recruiting. It's a really good way to submit your artwork early because if recruiters like it, they'll set aside a specific time for you oh, to nice. talk to them mm -hmm. so that you don't have to wait in line on the convention floor. Oh, that's so great. if you don't want to wait in a long line with 50 people in front of you, go ahead and get your three-day pass. And also, for those of you who want to exhibit, if you buy your table or your booth now, you will save a nice bit of money because they're having a promotional sale until April 17th. Mm. So if you know that you want to do this, mm -hmm. go ahead and get your table or your <laughs> booth now because you can save about a hundred bucks or so, which is no small feat because then you can funnel that money into your prints, yeah. your banner, your business cards, your travel expenses. It's helpful to plan ahead. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. I. I'm going to decide before that date so I can get the discount, but I think I'm going to do it this year. I know you are doing it this year. I will for be sure. doing it this year. I am very excited, and here's the other reason why I'm super excited. And I hope you do this too, Jeff, mm -hmm. because then we can have tables next to each other. Yes. But I am very excited that both myself and also a friend of the show, friend in life, host of the Ink and Paint Girls podcast former newsletter writer and editor for the Animation Network podcast, Cassie Soliday mm -hmm. is going to be my table mate. We are splitting a table. So that just makes everything better. The fact that Cassie will be there oh, yeah. because she is so fun and her artwork is so good, you guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited that we're going to have a table together. So And also yeah. people are going to be able to hear her on this podcast in just a couple minutes. They will, so, yes. they will. And she's, as you guys know, she is a delight. Yes. And again, for those of you thinking about doing it, I highly recommend splitting a table. Mm -hmm. Because for me personally, you know, one, it cuts down on costs. 
Two, if this is new for you, this will be my second convention ever. So I'm still, you know, creating prints and sketchbooks. So I'm starting off with, you know, a limited amount of merchandise. So if you have a friend also at your table, you don't have to fill that entire table. Yeah. It's you plus your friend. Plus it helps because you have somebody that if you need to go to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. if you need to have lunch, if you want to go to a panel, if you just need a moment where you're not around hundreds of people yeah you already have a friend who's already there and you can help them and they can help you and you can split the costs i know people at ctn that have split tables three and four ways i don't know if i recommend that only because you have a very narrow slice (laughs) of table but you can do that and it makes everything really cheap and maybe people can you know half the team goes on saturday half the team goes on sunday i'm not sure yeah people do that either but you know what that's a really good idea <laughs> yeah. so you guys tell us if you've ever done that before because yeah. that would be really interesting to know but yes so i know it can be tough deciding what to do with conventions and whatnot but it doesn't hurt to throw your hat in the ring see what happens if you like it great if you hate it you never have to do mm-hmm. it again and if you're interested in the animation industry and you're interested in conventions this is the one to go to that's absolutely correct this i would actually say this is the best one to go to now i know that i know people i'm not going to pretend i know people have had issues with ctn i know there have been complaints some people like it some people hate it that is perfectly fine and that is within their right and i totally get it if you've never gone and you've never exhibited it's worth your time to at least check it out because mm-hmm. I'm happy to say that my experiences have been, for the most part, very, very positive, which is why I keep going back. I know that's not the same for everybody. And, you know, if that's not your experience, that's fine, because there's plenty of other conventions. You can exhibit at DesignerCon, which is the exact same weekend. So it's not like you only have to do this one. But CTNX has the advantage of it is an animation convention. And it's not a fan convention right. which is not to say that you cannot be a fan be a fan but there's not cosplaying there's not a costume carnival there's not there's some fan art but not a ton of fan art and those are not bad things cosplaying mm-hmm. is fun and people are very good at it but this is more of a business networking convention mm-hmm. so if you want to meet professionals and if you want to get your portfolio professionally reviewed And if you want to demonstrate that your work can be at a professional level, this is a very good convention for you. And a lot of our friends have gotten hired either at studios or have gotten very good freelancing jobs because they've exhibited at the convention, you know, sometimes multiple times. And every time they go back, they meet a few more people. And it's also a good way to make friends. Like, I've made friends at this place. So it can be a very good thing. Cool. Absolutely. So then that brings us to things we've been watching. So Jeff, <laughs> what have you been watching? Um, well, first I watched Isle of Dogs, the film by Wes Anderson. Ah. It was beautiful. The stop motion animation was beautiful as well. It was actually really cool seeing Japanese people being rendered as stop motion puppets. I thought that was cool as well. I was sad there were no Japanese voice actors <laughs> voicing uh, the the dogs, but there were a lot of Japanese people in it, and you know Japanese actors voicing the Japanese people. 
I liked, I was really into it when the dogs were on their journey, but I wasn't so into the villain and kind of how it all wrapped up. But it was definitely worth checking out, especially if you like Wes Anderson, and I do like his films. So, yeah, thumbs up, but tentative, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And that brings us to our main event. I am very excited for part two of our animation internship roundtable. In part two, we get into the nitty gritty of what internships are all about with returning guests, James Mosley, Lauren Krieger, Jocelyn Liang, Cassie Soliday, and myself. So without further ado, we present episode 68, Animation Internship Roundtable, part two. So let's now talk about the internships themselves. So y'all have all done the hard work of doing your research, applying, interviewing, you're finally in. So how did you work during your internship to have a good impression on your employer? I'll start because I overdid it. <laughs> um, I took that manic energy to know as much as I could into my internship. And I do feel like during it, I was constantly looking for feedback every other week because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right. And everyone said, you're doing everything right. Like there's nothing more that you can do because at the time they weren't paying their interns and they give you an option Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday and Thursday. So obviously I wanted to be at the studio as much as possible. I took Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, during the internship, they expect you to go and like network and talk to people, ask them about their job, show your portfolio, get feedback, take, uh, you know, design storyboard tasks, if that's what you're interested in. And I did all of that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I was typically at the studio all week. So that's how, like, driven I was. <laughs> but even though I did everything right, like, everything they told us we should do, I definitely feel like, because I also came from a place of, I'm not enough, I don't know enough, mm -hmm. and, like, there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. And I think because I valued everyone else more than myself, but ultimately, the time came at the end of the internship, and a lot of people in my internship group got jobs. I interviewed for a bunch of PA positions, but nothing took, and like a lot of people that happened for. But it just, it was a bummer because they said I did everything right, but I just didn't mesh with any of the crews that I was interviewing with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I should have taken it down a hair and just been like kind of chill. Because <laughs> like they do want to work with people that are like they could be in a room with for 12 hours, you know, because some yeah. of these days are super long. So that's kind of my experience. But I used it as much as I could. And it was very valuable anyways. And I took all their workshops that they gave and met with as many people as I could. Could you tell that it wasn't going to a place where they were going to offer you a job before the internship ended? It seemed all great up until the end when like, because okay. like also having gotten out of college less than a year before the internship, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is how life goes. Go to college, you get an internship, you get hired, mm -hmm. then you get married, then you have a baby, and then they have babies, and then you die. Like, yeah. like I thought that was the path. So I guess in a way it was like, oh. This is obviously going to happen. So when I realized life isn't like that, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, and it was just like a crazy awakening. <laughs> yeah, because it felt like it was going great. But I guess, for instance, there was one moment where the PA was like, hey, can you come uh, over here to my desk? I want to explain this thing to you. So I went over to her desk and I stood behind her because she just told me to come to her desk. Mm -hmm. And then uh, she ended up taking longer than expected. She's like, oh, give me a few minutes or whatever. And I was like, okay. 
And because I came from a place of you're more important, I'm just going to stay like really close to your desk. So I hovered and it was creepy and I felt in the moment that it was super creepy. And I'm sure like this one stands out in my memory like so loud. (laughs) And I'm sure there's probably other moments like that where I was like, I just want to be nearby in case you need me like ASAP. But there's never going to be an instance where you need to be that close by. But like, yeah. So I feel like it's probably like little things like that. Mm. And not that I was terrible to work with or anything. Right. But yeah. I think it probably rubbed a few people the wrong way that mm. I would do that. <laughs> I actually met a girl, not in any sort of internship, but she would she would kind of do that. And there was nothing wrong with her. Like she was a good person. Like we we all knew that she was like she was just an everyday normal person, but she would do that thing where she would hover. Mm-hmm. And then there was one time I was working and then she would just like, Oh, what are you up to? I'm like, you know, just painting backgrounds and, <laughs> and then we just kinda had like a very brief and awkward conversation and then it just kinda ended and I kept painting and then she just like stood there behind me and I was like, Man, is she gonna leave? <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> so I did that a few times. <laughs> but there's like there's no there's no comfortable way for the person being hovered over to like say, Hey, can you go away? Because that's just rude. Yeah. Like you don't wanna be that person. Uh-huh. And I talked to a couple other people and like, oh yeah, like she does do that. It's like, and no one knew how to make her go away. Like, <laughs> you can't just be like, hey, don't hover. She was like, like a ghost, like yeah. haunting, it's just, like. <laughs> it's so difficult. Like you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. You don't want to come off as crass or anything. Yeah. And then, but then that doesn't help that person because they don't know they're doing that. And yeah. and it's like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and hearing, because obviously you see the other side, and like hearing it right now, I feel like it's pretty obvious that like. I don't know, interns are just probably mm-hmm. feel just so lucky to be there. Like, yeah. I know I felt so blessed, mm-hmm. so lucky. I was like, oh, I'm an intern at Nickelodeon. Everything is extra now. I could do whatever. But while I'm here, I'm going to focus. <laughs> and then, I mean, you can't believe that you're seeing people work on art that's going to end up on TV mm-hmm. in these amazing shows. Trying to think back and be like, young Cassie, what the f*** were you doing? <laughs> I think it was just like amazement and wanting to soak it up and also not realizing how creepy you're being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're so right. It's like, it doesn't come from an evil place or like... People can usually tell you're not trying to be creepy, but yeah. I think it definitely helps that if you're under like the wing of an internship they know they're like oh yeah like so and so still learning so they're not gonna, it's not gonna like count against you that much because you're still kind of wearing that figurative badge of like I'm kind of a student I'm still learning so people are gonna be more understanding it's when you're a professional and you're not wearing that internship badge mm-hmm. that people are gonna be like oh Mm. (laughs) it's like people are going to give you more of a leeway when you're not a full-out professional who's not in the position of like i'm still i'm still learning the ropes you know Mm. i'm I'm just here to learn yeah and i think this leads to like knowing when enough is enough to be around Mm. (laughs) yeah like knowing when like you know what this is the high i'm gonna let you go now Mm. and i think that's one thing that i didn't do so i was like i have you right now and i'm gonna use all my time with you very like accurately (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's good that you are self-aware enough to understand that that happened Uh and that you can correct that where I think the danger is if you don't know that you're doing that or mm-hmm. you know that you can just keep making these mistakes yeah that's I, good. I feel like in the moment like I felt off like I felt weird about it right. but I didn't know what it was and, mm-hmm. and so like it was just in like retrospect and I'm like ah and I said like a few really terrible things around one of the recruiters and I don't think 
I think it turned her mind on me. And I was just kidding. But like, it made me look really bad. So learning when to joke and learning when to not. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah. I think for me, I there's definitely a lot of things that I would have done differently if I were to go back and redo a lot of my internships. But I kind of fall in the same boat with Cassie where I was kind of a little bit too focused just because I was like, I'm here. Not everyone gets this opportunity. I want to learn everything. I want to be the best intern ever. <laughs> so I didn't really get to get around and talk to people. Um, also because, like I said, I'm introverted. So talking to people terrifies me. <laughs> For the most part, I just kind of kept my head down because that's just what I do when I don't know like how to socialize I just focus on the work I would work hard of course and I would try to like learn different things if anyone taught me anything but one thing I regret is when I was at Nick Games they had a game room which was the cool thing and they would play video games in there sometimes and the artists invited me one time they're like hey like sometimes we play video games you should come and join and I never did because I was like, I don't understand. Like, aren't I supposed to be working? I don't want I don't want to go play games. And then my supervisor comes over. It's like, why aren't you not working? But I didn't understand that in entertainment, this is normal. Like people sometimes just stop working and go play video games. Like, as long as you get your work done, most people are OK with it. And I think it actually helps productivity sometimes to take a break and step away from the desk. And that's what I didn't understand when I was just interning. I still think about it today. I'm like, if I only went and played video games with them, I would have met more people and made more friends. But no, I sat at my desk and I just kept working. <laughs> and I was a little bit better about socializing when I went to Pixar for the internship, but I was still very introverted and kind of shut in. And I noticed there was a pattern with a lot of my intern friends, which is that we were all so focused on trying to get hired after the internship or having the possibility of being hired that we just sat at our desk all the time and we just kept working. And a lot of them would take work home even though we don't need to they don't really encourage it because it's like you're just an intern and they try not to give you hard deadlines like you gotta get this done by friday or else something happens i don't know because they they know you're just there to enter and they want you to have fun so they avoid giving you these assignments where it's like you got hard deadlines but we would we would just make these crazy deadlines for ourselves like i gotta get this done by tomorrow like, we got this meeting i want to impress the dark director so-and-so blah 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 and, and like I had two roommates who were in the animation internship so they were animators and they were stressed all the time like they were pretty much never at home they would stay late at Pixar and work on their shots for their class and then they would come home to just change clothes take a shower and like grab some other stuff maybe get a snack or something and then go back to the studio they're also never there on the weekends they were all in the classroom like doing their shots and i'm like i thought we were supposed to have fun at this internship you guys don't think you're having fun because they would like come home and they're like i'm so tired and then one of them i think got bronchitis or something like she she was like coughing like crazy and i felt so bad for her and i was like okay and pretty much on the weekends i was the only one at home and I'm like, oh, this is weird. I feel like I'm not working hard enough, but I am working hard. So yeah, I, I would say like a big piece of advice I would give people is don't forget to have fun. Don't forget to socialize. Don't forget to like just 
put the pen down or whatever you're doing, get up from your desk and actually go out and meet people because what counts is networking and getting to know these people because in the future, you never know, maybe you'll need to reach out to them for one way or another and so it's important to like build these relationships early on unfortunately i was too uptight to do that so <laughs> i i learned a lot later in my career how important that is just reflecting back on my internship experience especially at bento box and nickelodeon i got really lucky with both the crews that i worked with because i don't know when you get into school in an adult world you're just like oh you're on your own but with both of the internships, the crew like gave me a helping hand and like they would be like, hey, so maybe don't do this because we've had bad experiences with not bad, but just it wasn't like the best idea to like pop over someone's cube instead of like knocking to say hi and whatnot. And then also like the importance of setting up lunches and talking with people. And then just for me, like seeing how the crew interacted with each other, like, yes, we're there to work. But a lot of people before going into work would be like, hey, how are you doing? Just mm -hmm touching base as a person rather than just the work side so and then usually people open up and you get to know them more at a friend level so yes you're there to do the work and do it well but then also come friends with people that you work with and be respectful of like if they're really busy and whatnot and then also I feel like especially at Nick I would try and see situations where I could do a little bit more nothing like crazy because that always like that was one piece of advice like I got from like the Wally Kazam crew was don't go like so over the top that people are like oh my gosh why <laughs> um, I got to sit in on a bunch of the meetings and even though they're like oh you can just sit in like since I was a production intern I would practice taking notes with a notebook even though I could just sit in the room and then another assignment I got was like they had this empty wall and we went to lunch one day where you could draw on paper on the tables and they're like oh could you just hang it up and they were just expecting me to put it with push pins and that's it but like I took the time to cut it out nicely and just make it cute to our show so it it looked a little bit nicer than just like push pins. And I was told when I was hired as a PA, like that moment really stood out for them where I looked for moments where I could like give a little bit more. It's oh. really funny when you said don't pop over people's cubes because I definitely did that to James. <laughs> I mean, she used to just be standing behind me like oh, the grudge or something. Like, <laughs> and I'd be like, what? what's going on? Yeah, me and Jocelyn have a long history for anybody who's listening out there. Yeah, we used to we used to work on Pinky Malinky together at Nick. Yeah. Yeah. My experience with the internship, I think the big thing for me was like just kind of getting to know like everybody on my crew and doing whatever I could do for them. And then I had like a few I would set up lunches and stuff, try to get to know different people. But of course I did the work and stuff. Like I, I've got copies, I fetch copies. I helped my coordinator out, Nancy Ramirez. Like I, I used to help her with everything, like prepping storyboards, stuff like that. But I think the big takeaway for me was when I would literally try to like talk to at least three or two people on my crew every day and just check in with them and see how they were. I think that left the best impression. I mean, but obviously if I didn't do the work, that wouldn't matter, so. Yeah, I think that's the big thing for me, though. There were a lot of things for me. One of the biggest hurdles was working with people that you have seen in interviews and behind-the-scene DVD extras and not freaking out <laughs> was a really actually hard thing for me because it was really weird to walk around the halls and then you see Andrew Stanton and then you see Dan Scanlon and then you see Darla K. Anderson mm -hmm. and you're looking at them going, why are they here? And go, because they here <laughs> and not freaking out every day when you just see all these people in the hall 
And that took almost the entire internship for me just not to get weirded out. And not only that, but we would have celebrities that would come through just to visit because they can. And so that was weird. So being able to not freak out when you see people was really strange. And there's a story that I like to tell that encapsulates that. So I was making copies. Our copier was in the hallway and I was making copies while simultaneously editing something for my boss. And I see somebody walking towards me in the hall and they look like it was somebody that I knew. And so I waved and they waved at me. And as they got closer, I realized it was Rashida Jones. And I'm going, oh, I know you because the office. I did not speak to you. Like, no, no, I'm just going to continue doing copies. And it really freaked me out. <laughs> like a very nice person. But, you know, just not getting freaked out by seeing people was really tough. And then also figuring out the department was tough because... My internship was kind of hard. The department, I won't get into details, but they were going through a lot of transitions. The whole studio, but also our department at the time. So on my part, but also on our department's part, the communication wasn't always great. And what I learned from my internship was just because you think things should be done a certain way, or you think things shouldn't be done a certain way, or you think something is silly, or you think something is great, clear that with your coworkers and your management. Because there were different things that happened where had the communication been more clear, I think the internship would have gone a lot better. Mm -hmm. And there were things that I could have done on my end and that they could have done on their end too that just would have made things easier. And one of the biggest things is ask people how they want things to be done. Ask them, mm -hmm. how do you want the meetings to be set up? How do you want all of the materials arranged? How do you want this board to be made? How do you want these magnets to be made? How do you want, you know, what types of paper do you want? What types of pens do you want? What types of snacks do you want? Ask them how, because that was something I didn't do early on because it didn't occur to me to do that. And nobody told me to do that. And then come to find out, oh, this is what they wanted. And then both parties are frustrated. Yeah. So ask people how they want things done. And then also ask them, is there anything about this that I should know? Because what I found with my internship was a lot of times people don't tell you things because they don't realize they need to tell you things because yeah. they've been doing something for so long that it's entrenched. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't occur to them that, hey, the new person doesn't know. So then when it doesn't get done a certain way, they're like, why didn't this get done a certain way? It's like, well, you didn't tell them. Well, why didn't they ask? Well, they didn't know to ask. So you can avoid a lot of that by just saying, what are the systems in place for certain things? How do you want X, Y, and Z to be done? And once I figured that out, which honestly, I'll be honest, it took the entire internship. <laughs> it was three months. By month three, the internship was great. But the first two months, the internship was really, really rough for me to the point where I remember meeting with some former interns and just flat out saying, I think I'm going to get fired. And they would tell, and here's the other thing. Talk with former interns, because every time I talked with a former intern, they would console me with stories of, oh, I thought I was going to get fired, too. Here's what I did, because <laughs> yeah. everyone has a horror story yeah. of something they forgot to order or forgot to do or forgot to say, or they did do or they didn't say or they didn't say or whatnot. Everyone has that. Everyone has made a mistake. You, I guarantee, will probably make a mistake during your internship, big or small. You don't have to let that destroy you. All you have to do is say, I have made an error. 
how can I rectify this for the future and then do that? Yeah. So that that's the biggest thing I learned was just ask more questions and just accept that certain things are done a certain way. And even if you think that's silly, that's how they want it yeah. done. So just go ahead and do that. And you know what? One day when you're running the show, you can do it however way you exactly. want. <laughs> but for right now, you need to do it their way. Yeah. So that, that was the thing. But getting to know other people is really important. I got to know, fortunately for my sake, our intern group was small. And mm -hmm. I was an intern during the spring. We only had five interns. So I got to know everybody really, really well. <laughs> so I hung out with all of them all the time. So hanging out with your fellow interns is great because you can learn and commiserate with each other. Because mm -hmm. all of us had moments of, everything's going great. And I remember one time we had a dinner where we all just talked about everything's going poorly. <laughs> so, you know, that helps. And then getting to know former interns is really good. And letting people know if you're stressed or letting people know if you need help. Meeting with your other PAs, meeting with your managers, trying to meet other people on the team, trying to volunteer for other things. Like we used to have drawing classes, so I'd go to the drawing classes and got to meet other people. So if you can, try to meet other people. Try not to bring the work home. Mm. Try not to be there on the weekends if you can avoid it. I kind of lived there and looking back, it was a lot like sleepaway camp and I don't recommend that. It's, you know, get there early. Maybe stay a little bit later, but try to have a life mm -hmm. outside of your internship mm -hmm. and just ask people a lot of questions. And does this happen to me? If you don't get hired, it's not the end of the world. Because <laughs> I know half of us here got hired by the places we interned at and half of us didn't. If you get hired, that's fantastic. If you don't get hired, it's okay. We're all doing fine. <laughs> so you'll do fine too. So what did y'all do after? I know some of you, like I said, some of you got hired, some of us didn't. So for the folks that did get hired, once you got hired, did you just continue on the same path or what changed once you were then a full-time person? Well, I think once you become full-time, because I got hired from an intern to a production assistant at Wally Kazam. And like as an intern, you're basically a second pair of hands. So you're like helping double check things. Yeah, and just assisting with things, but then it becomes more of your responsibility. I think at most shows at Nickelodeon, like the, you are now taking the official notes for each meeting. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the biggest change from intern to, if you are going from a production internship into a production assistant role, is like all the stuff that you've been like experiencing day to day as an intern is now your responsibility. Yeah, I totally agree with Lauren because when I was an intern, I was basically just helping like within the storyboard department, a little bit in backgrounds and designs, but mostly in storyboards. And I was just like prepping shipment packages and stuff, and, like printing copies. And then when I became like a PA, yeah, basically I was just doing that still. <laughs> um, the only difference is like, I, I started to dip my toe even more a little bit in designs. And they, they gave me a little bit more like responsibility with checking in with artists and stuff like that for my design coordinator, who uh, he's my best friend now. But at the time, um, I was just kind of like helping out with him a little bit more. But yeah, it just it just became a little bit more official. That's all I think. Well, I think for me, um, at the end of my Pixar internship, I kind of had a feeling that they weren't gonna hire because the atmosphere and like the air around the studio just kind of felt like that. And also Inside Out had just gone through a rewrite. So they, even, even the artists there were having a hard time looking for work to do around the studio. 
So it was kind of obvious they weren't going to hire any of the design interns. So I just kind of went back to applying around um, to different studios. And eventually I ended up getting the job at EA Games on Sims. So I, it's weird because I was in the Bay Area for Pixar and then I went back to LA. And then after I got the job at EA, I had to come back up to the Bay Area. <laughs> so a lot of weird moving around. Yeah, so I, I went there kind of not knowing what to expect like it felt it felt kind of weird for me to go from interning and not being given the most serious assignments to suddenly like oh hey yeah you're gonna do this and it's gonna end up in the game like what (laughs) it is (laughs) but I think it was like my first or second day there Um, I came in and then for some reason there was a lot of people out on the concept design team and then there was like me and this other guy who is sitting and working and my boss comes over and he's like hey we have a sudden task that needs to be storyboarded do any of you do storyboarding and the other guy was like ah sorry man I don't storyboard and then he and so he immediately looks at me and I'm like uh and like if you know me I don't like to storyboard I can do it I don't like to that's why I'm a designer, but but I was like the only person there. So I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I could I could do it. And he's like, okay, come with me. And like we walk to some random meeting room and we get this assignment brief. And then it was like, okay, you got the information. Okay, go go do it. Go storyboard. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then I just went back to my desk. I'm like, I think it was it was kind of weird for me to transition from being from a learning position, like a more student kind of role to like an actual professional. And it took me a while before I had the confidence to be like, yeah, I'm presenting my design and this is it. This is what's going to make it into the game. Because before I would kind of be like, so can I do it like this? Or should I do it like this? And like, I just wasn't really sure of myself. And I think it takes a while to build that confidence and present yourself as like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I did this. So this is what I mean by that. And um, after a while, you don't really need to, I guess, ask questions about like, how do you how do you do things? And that's that's the thing I saw happen a lot with the new artists that would come into the project later is that they were kind of apprehensive about everything they did. And they it's good to ask questions. They would always ask questions. But I was like, but you already know how to do this. (laughs) You don't have to ask the question. Clearly, you know the answer. (laughs) Like, be be a little bit more confident. Like, just do it. Because they would, they would like do something, and then it looks amazing. And they're like, "Is this okay?" I'm like, (laughs) "Hell yeah, that's okay. That's 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 really good. I don't even think I could do that. Like, you know." So then, for the two of us, (laughs) we have our own unique perspective. So, would you like to go first? How you transitioned to your full-time job from your internship. For us, since we didn't get hired right after, mm-hmm. we had our full-time job later. How we handled that? Well, I cried a lot. Uh, <laughs> and then every interview I got, I cried directly after it. And when I got rejected, <laughs> well, not directly, no. not in front of people. I can hold it in front of people typically, at least during those interviews. So one thing that happened during the internship with some of the other interns is like, I had never been to Disneyland because mm-hmm. Disney World and Disneyland is very far from Illinois. So I went with them on a little trip to Disneyland and that was like a month before the internship was over and it was so awesome. And one of my dreams was to work at a theme park because I think it would be a fun experience. And when the internship was over and I didn't get any of the interviews I went on, 
I was like, I'll go after that dream. And so that's where I spent <laughs> all like my working experience after that. But luckily they had artist positions in the park. So I was a, a hostess in stores, so a retail position for like three months while trying to connect with people who hire for the sketch artist position. And I ended up getting that and I was there for three years. But during that entire time, animation was still like the goal. I wish that I would have gotten the sketch artist later in life. So I could be like, this is the dream job. This is fun. Because, like, you get to connect with people over animation, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite things. And educating people over, like, animation history and, like, the stories behind the movies. I find all of that stuff fascinating. So it was really fun. And I would take workshops in Burbank and go to networking events and continuously go on these, you know, interviews for PA jobs and coordinator jobs. And that's how I ended up getting back into the industry. And it was a lot of interviewing. It was a lot of meeting people and taking informational meetings that didn't lead anywhere except for information which is you know of course that's the goal but your secret goal is fall in love with me and give me a job please yep. <laughs> like but I always felt like I was waiting for someone to recognize my talent or recognize that oh you would be great on our team but mm -hmm. it doesn't always like sometimes it happens like that but you can't just wait for someone to spot you in the middle of a crowd <laughs> like yeah. you really have to put yourself out there and like meet people and uh, I ended up getting my first job back in the industry from I interviewed for <laughs> Land Before Time 14 for a, court, oh. for a PA position <laughs> and uh, she felt like I was too experienced with all my random live action <laughs> PA experience to be her PA. And that was a bummer because like no one else is hiring me mm -hmm. for these jobs I'm applying for, but you think I have too much experience mm -hmm. or overqualified. So that really hurt. But she gave my resume to one of her friends who was producing Fresh Beat Band of Spies. And I interviewed with her and I got that job. So it was really interesting. Like someone I hadn't even met found out through this interview I didn't get. So just because you're not like a good fit for that position doesn't mean you might not be a good fit for a position that you don't even know exists, if that makes sense. That makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, but that took like three years. But however, I used, again, I really loved my job where I was. But when you have those big goals, it's kind of like, I like being here, but I want to do more. Yeah. I don't know, and life is really long to do one thing. That's my yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I was very emotional about all of it. <laughs> I understand that completely. So for me, I knew I wasn't going to get hired for the internship after the second month. So that actually helped me during my internship just to prepare. Because basically what ended up happening was we have one month mark meetings of, here's how you're doing, things are going great. So month one, you're doing great. Month two, hey, we noticed some things, let's chat. So I chatted with my managers about it and I just really realized I really wanted your story and I realized I didn't want to be in production at Pixar. Mm -hmm. And they were actually very impressed that I said that mm -hmm. because what I found out is a lot of people just say, oh, I'll do anything. I just want to yeah. stay. And then they end up getting let go because they're just not a good fit or they really don't enjoy what they're doing. So because I was just honest with them, and told them, I will do my very best and work very hard, but this isn't the route that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, well, feel free to talk to anybody you want to about what you want to do. So I ended up getting to meet with storyboard artists and different directors and just having meetings with them and talking to them. And all of them told me, pursue your dream and then return. 
essentially. Because they said, you know, it's hard to go from production to art or art to production at the studio because it's big and they have different things that they need people to do. But mm -hmm. go and pursue your art. So I did. But it was hard, though, because I remember the first month after the internship ended, I would just wake up every day thinking, you know, you once worked at Pixar. <laughs> you, know, you don't. You've blown it. You're out of school. You don't have a job. What are you going to do with your life? And I just remember being really depressed. And after a month of being depressed, just thought, well, but I still need to eat. So I ended up doing three more reality production assistant jobs. I worked for a temp agency. I worked for a bookstore. I did a lot of industrials, which are internal commercials for companies where they're doing trainee videos, teaching people mm -hmm. how to do different things. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting to go to Semantic and LinkedIn and other companies and pretend to be an employee. And so you pretend to be an employee <laughs> you're with a bunch of other actors and you're all dressed up in business suits and they film you in the computer lab at the cafeteria using all the new systems and you're not really talking but you act like you're talking. <laughs> so you act like you're having a conversation. So I did all these trainee. I did a trainee video for the Visa chip card when they first introduced credit card chips. So I got paid to like pretend to be an employee and eat. So that was kind of interesting. So that's where all those videos and photos come from. Yeah, all those things come from. And you know, I just did a lot of different jobs, and I volunteered for CTN, and I volunteered for World Animation Expo, and I realized I just need to move to LA. I moved to LA, another PA job, and then because I had interned at Pixar, my school invited me to talk online to students who wanted to do internships. And because they really liked my talk, they invited me to speak to Nickelodeon recruiter, Ariel Goldberg, who's awesome. Because I had this meeting with Ariel, I reached out to Chris Wimberly and said, hey, Chris, I love your podcast. You used to work at Nickelodeon. I've never had an informational interview. What should I do? So the informational went really well. And then I met Chris and also you, Cassie, at Fan Alley Expo. And I was able to tell Chris how helpful they were because you guys were super helpful and nice to me. We kept in contact. Then the podcast started. Then I volunteered at CTN again. Then I met a whole bunch of other people. Then I was referred for a job on SpongeBob. I didn't get the job on SpongeBob. SpongeBob referred me to Loud House. Another friend referred me to Loud House. I had an interview with Loud House, and then I got the job at Loud House. So wow. it was really weird, but because I didn't get the job at Pixar, that's why I'm now at Nickelodeon, and I really like Nickelodeon. And mm -hmm. it took a year and a half, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. So mm -hmm. if you get hired directly from your internship, that's great. If you don't get hired right after your internship, that might also be great. Yeah. It just at the time might seem really terrible, yeah. but it might end up being okay. I have a friend who put it in really good terms. He was also at Pixar. Um, he wasn't an artist, but the way he put it was if I had stayed at Pixar, he got laid off a little bit later, but he said, if I had stayed at Pixar at this point in time, I would have only had one movie come out or even no movies come out because actually the movie he worked on got canned, I think. Mm -hmm. And he said, but because I'm not at Pixar anymore, I've worked at a bunch of different studios and different movies. There's a different movie that I've worked on that's coming out every single year from now. And I was wow. like, oh, that's a really good way to put it. And I kind of thought of it myself. I was like, 
yeah, if I had gotten hired on Inside Out up to that point that I had that conversation with him, I would have only had Inside Out come out. And that would have been the only thing on my IMDb mm-hmm. or whatever database people are using <laughs> these days. But at that point, I had worked on, I think I had worked on Hot Wheels at Titmouse and I had worked on Sims 4. So that was two different things that were on my record already versus just Inside Out. And I think that's a lot of value to have. And that's also a conversation I had at the end of my internship with Dice Tsumi and Robert Kondo. They had this intern lunch uh, where they got a couple of the interns together and uh, they just wanted to give some advice to the artists because they knew that we weren't getting hired, which was really nice of them. And what they said was that if I could do it over again, I would recommend that you don't start at Pixar. And that was kind of a an interesting thing that they said. And it's it's because there's so much out there. Like there's so much to learn out there. And if you start at Pixar, you don't get to learn all those little things because everything at Pixar is so specialized. So you end up getting pigeonholed into doing this one thing. And yeah, it's at a great studio, but if you ever get laid off or something happens where you have to find a new job elsewhere, you might not be able to snap back as quickly like doing a bunch of other things because you didn't get to learn it and i see that a lot at big studios where people have worked there for a decade which is scary to me because for that decade they don't really experience working on other things and they don't get to exercise different parts of their designer brain or whatever position it is they're doing at that time and they just get very pigeonholed and i see their portfolio and it hasn't been updated for 10 years (laughs) and that's so scary to me because I'm like you could get laid off today and then tomorrow you won't be able to find a job like I don't know if you're competitive enough to you know compete with all the new talent that's coming out so sometimes if you don't get the internship or the job after your internship at a big name studio or your dream studio it can be a blessing in disguise because who knows you may go on to do greater things you may have even more amazing things on your resume and that's always a plus yeah, I would have to say that I think I grew the most because I didn't get the jobs that I applied for or interviewed for at Nickelodeon. It made me be more intentional with my time and what I wanted. I have to really explore like, why do I want this? Why do I want to work for these places? Why do I want to contribute to animation? And uh, I don't know, if you're not struggling, you're not growing as well, That's you know? True. That is very true. And I can say that this podcast wouldn't exist if I was working there. <laughs> it wouldn't. It would not exist. Had I gotten the job, I would just be in San Francisco working the job still. There'd be Whoa. no podcast. I wouldn't have volunteered at CTN. I wouldn't have volunteered at World Animation VFX Summit. I wouldn't have met Chris. I wouldn't have met Cassie. I would have met all of you. Mm-hmm. I would know none of you people. None of you in this room. I wouldn't know you guys. <laughs> it just, I wouldn't know any of you. And there's a lot of things that would never have happened and a lot of people I would have never met. And you guys are right. Sometimes when you don't get the thing you want, it does make you evaluate what mm-hmm. you want. But it also, when you face a lot of rejection, two things can happen. Usually both of these happen. First thing is you get really upset. Mm-hmm. and you get really bitter and you feel really down hopefully though the second thing will happen which is you get really really resilient and in my case you get really angry <laughs> and that anger turns into resiliency which turns into determination mm-hmm. it can be a very useful thing and i wasn't angry at people i wasn't blaming other people it was more angry with you know what I'm going to become so great at what I'm doing and I'm going to do such a good job 
that they can't help but notice. Mm -hmm. And when they don't notice, they'll go, oh, why did we not notice? How did we not see? <laughs> <laughs> that actually propelled me forward to work really, really hard. And it forced me to really look at my portfolio and really look at my resume and cover letter and really figure out, okay, what am I not doing that mm -hmm. other people who have jobs and have had good jobs are doing? And where do I need to go? Who do I need to meet? I can't slack off. I can't just do what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. I really need to figure this out. And that can be a really useful thing. But that only happens if you get knocked down a lot and then you have to build yourself back up. It's like anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anything worth having don't come easy. So. Nope. And you appreciate it a lot more. But, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. for those of you that did get right out of school, that's also okay, too. I don't want to make it seem like, ah, <laughs> you had the easy path. Because it's not easy. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, everyone has their own journey. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess, parting notes, is there anything else about internships or the internship process that you feel like people should know or anything that now that you've gone through it, you feel like that would have been a good thing to know at the time? I think staying in touch with people after you're done with your internship, um, whether it's just like emailing them to touch base or if you're in the same city, just like reaching out and grabbing lunch. Like for my bento box internship, I was like in my first year at school and I made a point to keep in touch with them. Just nothing like crazy, like every two weeks, but just quarterly, just mm -hmm. t um, touching base with everyone that you connect with at your internship is important. There was one thing I wanted to say about when you're interviewing for your internship, a couple of y'all brought up kind of, I guess, rehearsing like the framework for some of your answers. But one thing I wanted to throw out there was if you don't know the answer to something in the interview, it's okay to, to just say, can I please gather myself before I answer that question or take a moment to think? I think that's important because like, yeah, it's easy to just get wrapped up talking in the interview and stuff. I think adding on to that, sometimes if they ask you a question and you don't have the answer, it's okay to make stuff up too. Like, <laughs> make it believable. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first time I've heard that. <laughs> really? I've heard that from a couple people. Seriously, I want to hear your take on this. <laughs> because you don't, you don't want to walk in and have them ask you a question. Or maybe they ask you a couple questions and you don't know the answer to all of them. Yeah. And in that case, you don't want to stop and be like, oh, I don't know, or um, let me think of an answer. It doesn't really reflect well on you if three questions in a row or you're always saying like, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. But if you make up an answer, chances are they're not going to remember it if they hire you or they're just not going to remember it at all. What question? What did you make up? <laughs> I don't have a specific example, but, but like... For instance, if they ask you about your weaknesses or your strengths and mm. you just, you couldn't come up with it or you forgot your answer or something <laughs> like that, it's okay to just say something. Like, don't, don't just stop and be like, I, I can't think of anything. Like, mm. say, say something. Like, maybe you have a hard time getting up in the morning and you're just like, I, I have a difficult time get, getting up in the morning. <laughs> like, some, something like that. It's not necessarily the way you answer something um, at interviews. It's also you being able to answer it and, and showing that you're prepared or you know how to think on the spot. And I think I think that says a lot about your character as well as being able to answer something with maybe an expected answer or a well-thought answer. So it's not always about having something to say to when they ask you a question. Sometimes if you need to make stuff up on the spot or you just need to think quick, just do it. <laughs> 
to piggyback on that, I think it's like being yourself and like yeah. knowing yourself pretty well. Because I could BS my way through pretty much any question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a skill. That's it a is. gift. And it's what I kind of tap into is my feelings because no one can deny your feelings. Mm-hmm. So if someone asks me a question that I've not thought about before, I could just be up front and be like, that's a really good question. I've never really thought about that. Mm. But on the spot right now, I feel like I would do this or that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. Yeah, in general, be yourself during the internship. Don't be who you think they want you to be. That doesn't work. And also, you're human. You're not perfect. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, and that's the thing in interviews. You, you're you selling yourself. You're selling your personality. Don't try to be someone else. Or heard of a story of like your friend who was successful in their interview or internship because they did this. Like You can't be that person. Know your own personality and know yourself. And if, you, if you're a funny person, make them laugh. Like laughter makes people feel comfortable. And if you're funny, make them laugh, make them see the real you. It sounds kind of cheesy, but you want to go in there and show them who you are. Maybe you're you're quirky and show them that side of you. You don't have to show them a perfect cookie cutter person. No one's perfect, so don't go in there and be like, I'm a perfectionist. My weak point is that I work too much. Like, maybe once upon a time that was the answer everyone wanted, but that's go in with something different, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, be honest about your weaknesses. And if it's funny, make them laugh about it. That's good. I would like to add, apply in the off season. I got my internship in the spring. A lot of people don't know that there are internships in the spring and in the winter. It's not just during the summer. And fewer, I mean, there's still a lot of people applying during those times, but fewer people tend to apply in the spring and the winter because a lot of people don't realize that internships are offered at that time. Mm -hmm. So don't just relegate it to summer. Apply year round Mm -hmm. and do not despair if you do not get an internship. Yeah. If you don't get an internship, if you're not in school, because like we said, a lot of these internships, you have to be a student. If you're not a student, if you're not in some kind of program where you can get an internship, there are plenty of people who have gotten into the industry without internships. Many of them having been interviewed on this very podcast. So all you just do work. Do really good work and meet people and show people that you're the kind of person that other people would want to work with and that you do solid work and that you're willing to be an excellent part of the industry. And that way, whether you get an internship or not, you'll still be doing a really good job. So I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for coming on the show and for offering your wisdom and stories and trials and triumphs and everything in between. Really appreciate it, you guys. Thanks for Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us as guests. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that concludes our special animation internship roundtable. Special thanks once again to James Mosley, Lauren Krieger, Jocelyn Liang, and Cassie Soliday for being such wonderful returning guests. And make sure to check out all of their websites in the show notes as well as on the website. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help us to pay for the technical costs associated with hosting the website. 
And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And you can see what Jeff has been up to by visiting his website, www.jeffbot.com. That's J-E-F-B-O-T.com. On Tumblr, the site is jeffbot.tumblr.com. On Twitter, the handle is at jeffbot. And on Instagram, the handle is at shootzee, and that's spelled S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at sketchysoul. So thank you for listening, and until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.